Chris Broussard is a man who helps shape the narrative of the world you and I live in. He's a sports commentator on Fox Sports, and uh, I I knew Chris, and I guess I go back years watching him cover the NBA on ESPN, and now he covers it for uh, Fox Sports. And then as we became friends, I realized, man, this is a man with great wisdom. With me is uh, Chris Shields, who's our producer for Brave Men. And uh, you knew about Chris before we ever got on to interviewing him, didn't you? Yes, sir, I did. Because you're a round ball guy. Yes, I love basketball. Basketball, okay. Yeah. And he, and he played, you played college, and, and uh, Chris Broussard played yes. college. Yes, he did. He played at Oberlin College. Oberlin College. Yes. And where is that? Up north somewhere? Yes. Um, like, we're in Texas, so anything north of the Red River is like, I don't know, it's up north. It's far. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's up there somewhere. So, yeah. because he ended up in Cleveland was his first newspaper job before he got the break with ESPN. Well, that's now. actually where the college is. It's in Ohio. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, there you go. Well, that all kind of came together. And, um, but you know what I appreciate about him? He's got a men's movement called King. Yes. You know what that means? No. What does it mean? I thought you had the answer. <laughs> you're the producer. <laughs> no, I just want to see what you Come on, man. I do. I, I actually have it written down. <laughs> Knowledge, inspiration, and nurture through God. Yes. Man, you almost got fired right there, bro. <laughs> <laughs> that, was, that was real close, Chris. Was, <laughs> bam, you're fired. Man, I've seen, I've seen guys do that. I've seen people get fired in the middle of a show because really? my background's television and media. Yeah. And I saw this, uh, I was at this live, t- in fact, while well, I was producing it, and the director did something that the host, who you would recognize the man's name, I'll tell you, off mic. Oh, okay. And uh, he walked in, he goes, the guy's fired, have fire. I go, you know, he's not talking to me, <laughs> but I'm standing right there, and uh, he's talking to the vice president. Anyway, uh, the guy gets his job back the next day. You wow. know, it was just that moment. It was like, <laughs> bam, out. <laughs> So anyway, you would have had your job back tomorrow. Oh, okay. Hey, as yeah, long just as I so had you it know, tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but Chris Broussard, I mean, he came across my radar years ago. I met him. Uh, we spoke at an event in Long Island, and it just hit me. I thought, man, this man isn't just a sports analyst. Uh, he's not just one of those guys that gets up and talks about stuff and he's the inside phone numbers with guys, but he, he's a real deep man of faith. Yeah. He really is, yeah. And I, one thing that I really admire about him is how um, down to earth he is. Mm. You know, he's not someone, even despite all of his accomplishments, he yeah. doesn't, he hasn't put himself on this pedestal where he's unreachable. He really has always been intentional about his relationship. At least I can only speak from firsthand experience. It it amazes me how quick he is to respond to me. And I'm like, well, right. you're all over the world, sir. Like- because, yeah, because here he is. He's really famous. He's got yeah. this national radio show called The Odd Couple yes. with Rob Parker and uh, syndicated around the world. He's famous everywhere. Yes. But, then, but when you texted him about being on our podcast today, he did what? He responded immediately. He texted you right back. Yeah. Every time I text him, he responds back immediately. Yeah, and then he texted me. He goes, who's this Chris guy bugging me? (laughs) (laughs) No, it's easy. (laughs) And then he always talks about wanting to play basketball, which I'm highly looking forward to that. Yeah. (laughs) Well, we were supposed to be together in in Charlotte. Yes, we were. And we were all going to 
do a little pickup game after yes. the event, the King event. But in the King event is coming up next March. Next March at, in Brooklyn. In Brooklyn at Dr. A. Bernard's Christian yeah. Cultural Center. So that should be amazing. Yes. I think you'll really appreciate today on Brave Men the, um, the conversation I had with Chris Broussard. He's a man of character, a deeply honest man, and, a, and really a remarkable conversation. Uh, coming up today, Chris Broussard, Fox Sports, Brave Men. It's Brave Men with Paul Lewis Cole. Wisdom and courage for the journey. I'm talking with Chris Broussard. Chris Broussard is probably one of the most trusted men among men in, in North America. And at the same time, probably sometimes the most disagreed man North America, because his, he makes his living, his profession is talking about athletics and sports. In particular, Chris has been one of the great uh, uh, sportscasters for the NBA, speaking in the NBA. Uh, but really, your background is, uh, Chris, you're a writer. I mean, that's really where this started, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I entered, you know, the profession as a sports writer. And I started off covering high school sports. Really? And I, and the, yes. And, uh, in fact, I, initially I worked at the Cleveland Plain Dealer right out of college. And for the first nine months to a year, I would sit in the newsroom and answer telephones. That's it. I wasn't doing any writing. I wrote a few, you know, blurbs here and there on, on high school sports that stringers called in. But then after about a year, I began covering high schools in the Akron, Ohio area, where LeBron James, of course, is from. And he was younger. He was a little boy when I was there covering sports. So you were, but, man, you paid your dues, man. Oh, yeah, yeah. And plus, I, you're uh, in Cleveland. Yeah, <laughs> that's paying your dues, right? <laughs> no, I give. I got great friends there. And it's got the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. So Right. But no, it's got but yeah, some... I, I covered high school sports for like four years. No kidding. And, and, and before I moved on to the NBA. And here's the thing. Most of the guys you see on television who are now analysts, commentators, opinionators, opinionists, Michael Wilbon, Tony Kornheiser, Skip Bayless, Stephen A. Smith, Adam Schefter, Adrian Wojnarowski, myself. Uh, we could go on and on. We yeah. are Rachel Nichols. We all started out as writers. Wow. You know, and, and, you know, eventually those that they start putting some on television, those that had good information, those that had some type of presence and charisma in front of the camera kind of moved into more television and radio. And that's what I've done. Right. And then, uh, so you, and you actually did a series of shows with Skip Bayless. See, Skip was a writer here uh, where I live in the Dallas Fort Worth area. Yes. Covering the cowboy and a columnist, right? Yeah. He's a columnist. Yes. And, and I love the word you just used opinionist. That's a new profession now. <laughs> Is that the, I want to, I want to really get a job. Is. I want to get a job in that, man. It, 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 you know, that's actually why in 2016 I left ESPN because they offered me a contract, another contract to just be strictly a reporter, ah. sideline reporting and try to break news and things like that. And Fox wanted me as an analyst and a commentator and opinionist. So now, for instance, when free agency in the NBA happens and say Anthony Davis is a free agent, I don't have to chase where he may go and try to break the news on what team he's going to. Whenever it happens, 
I just have an analysis and an opinion ready. <laughs> and that's much better. I'll give you, you know what it is. That's why, it, but see, that's why, because you're with uh, FS1. Yes. Uh, which is uh, Fox Sports. You were with ESPN. That's where uh, my sons and I begin to follow you and your opinions. And uh, that's why I said you're one of the most trusted men in North America and one of the most reviled. <laughs> <laughs> that comes with the territory. I'll tell you that. Yeah, and, most- um, but yeah, it, it's uh, so that's how it works. You know what it's like? And I know, you know, media on the, at newspapers, you have beat writers and you have columnists. And so I essentially move like at ESP and I was essentially a beat writer. And at times I would do columns. I would be on opinion shows. But now at Fox, I'm more of a columnist. So my personality, my opinions get to come out more versus just reporting the news. Yeah, that's, that's you know, and you, talk, you were talking about Anthony Davis and, and, or things like that. Moving from one team to another, and then you can have an opinion. Right. And then, and then at some point, Charles Barkley is going to go, you know, uh, Broussard's full of it. <laughs> right. <laughs> or, or knowing him. He, very well made. <laughs> he takes it a little bit beyond well, that. And you know what's interesting? We tell, I, I, we, I, I do a radio show, a daily radio show called The Odd Couple with Rob Parker. And we tell uh, athletes all the time, and even before the show started, we would tell athletes that want to get in the business, like, look, you have to say something. You, yeah. have to be, you have to give your point of view, give your opinion. You can't yeah. be, oh, I played with this guy. Oh, I don't want to hurt my friend's feelings or my former teammate's feelings. Or even ex-coaches, I may want to get back in the league as a coach, so I can't say nothing. If that's going to be your approach, you're not going to make it because you're not going to say anything. And so yesterday, Paul Pierce comes out and says LeBron James is not one of his top seven greatest players of all time. Now, I think I, that's asinine. <laughs> I, I didn't hear this. Are you kidding yeah, me? Yeah, but, but kudos to Paul Pierce for giving a strong opinion, An opinion and backing it up. He did back it up with some logic. I, again, I disagree, but I Kendrick Perkins is now in the business. He's coming out with strong opinions. Jalen Rose, you see. I mean, that's Charles Barkley's probably the most successful – athlete certainly in basketball i would say yeah to go from the playing to the commentating why it's not that he's so technically sound of course he is just he shares his opinions he's fearless when it comes to speaking his mind and that's entertaining yeah it is but you know the the thing it's to me it's like a tony romo uh yeah, Charles no, football. Had, yeah, Romo's been great, and yeah. Troy Aikman and guys like that. But Barkley has a sense of the flow of the game. You know, he's he doesn't he, he's talking about individuals occasionally, but but he'll watch he'll watch the whole game, the flow, and he'll say, you know, what's happening. You know, he does halftime. Let's say what needs sure. to happen this third quarter is such and such, or if they come out and they double on this guy, this will happen. So he's got a sense of that, that, that to me is more than just an opinion. It's like yourself because, uh, and, and this is what most people probably don't know is that you are in the Oberlin college hall of fame. Is that right? <laughs> no, I'm not actually. You're not yet. Uh, uh, are you kidding me? 
Yeah, I am not kidding. I'm in my high school Hall of Fame, Holy Name in Cleveland, Ohio. You're I in the was Holy a starter name. and a captain at Oberlin, but I was not a star. I was not a Hall of Famer. But you were you were a point guard at Oberlin, and uh, but you came out playing uh, football and basketball. So you didn't just come out of you know sideline guy with an opinion. You actually know the game. Yeah, and and look, there are great commentators and reporters who didn't play. There are some who are women who obviously wouldn't have played a sport like football. Right. Um, so I, it's not a requirement, but I I do think it helps me in that I'll give you one example. Uh, if two teammates on an NBA team get into a fight, I've seen it where some writers who may have not, didn't play sports at a high level, mm -hmm. they write consistently like those two guys will hate each other. They, they hate each other. A year or two later, three years later, oh, you know they don't get along because they had a fight, you know, back when they played for the Knicks or whatever. That's not necessarily the case. And having played on teams in college, you know, I almost got in a fight with a guy, and later that night we were in the, you know, in the bar sharing a beer, you know. And, you know, sometimes it will be something that carries on and the guys really don't like each other. But other times, I would say more often than not, yeah. it's a heat of the moment thing. And, you know, it goes away and they may even be friends. So that's an example of understanding the dynamics of a team and a sport that, and that's one reason in the NBA, they stopped right before I started covering the league. Um, and it wasn't because of me, obviously, it was a league wide rule. They stopped uh, reporters from being able to attend practice. Oh, wow. In the 80s and early 90s, you could go watch a practice the whole time. And when I got to the league, you could only watch like the last 10 minutes if the coach let you in. And the one reason they did that, one coach told me, Mike Fratello, he said, one, there are many reasons, but one is that if two guys got in a fight, uh, you would you write about it? I was like, yeah. He's like, well, you write about it. There's a headline. It becomes a huge story. It can. It's a distraction to the team. It can. It, it may not even be that big of a deal, but once it becomes a headline, it is a huge. Dirk Nowitzki and Steve Nash yeah. got in a, an altercation. Now people may assume they don't get along. They don't have chemistry anymore. When in fact, the next day they may have made up and been great friends. Yeah, because that's part of that's part of actually wanting to be excellent. And and I would think. You know, you're doing this uh, nationally syndicated. Actually, it's listened to all over the world, uh, the Odd Couple uh, radio, as well as a number of other things. I would have to think that even within your industry, because you all want to be really good, there, there are friction moments. There are friction moments on our show. <laughs> just, That's why it's the Odd Couple. I mean, we... It has been very unique in that, I mean, we've known each other, Rob Parker and I, for 27, 28 oh, really? years, something like that. Yeah. And so we're friends. We respect each other for what each has done in the business. And I think that enables us to really go at each other. And we do. And at times it's gotten heated. Um, and we're, you know, but we're able to brush it off and it's not, it doesn't impact our relationship off the uh, air. 
And so, but yeah, there's friction moments. And then, as you mentioned, in just beat writing, you're competing with other, other writers and other outlets. And there are some writers that really dislike each other, that, that really compete hard against one another. I've, I haven't been in that situation. Um, yeah, I can, I can yeah, see that are, happening. I know of uh, names that if I mentioned your, many of your listeners who are in the sports would know, um, don't get along because of the competition. Yeah. Yeah. Because they don't want the other guy uh, to get up. And it isn't that, isn't that something as a follower of Christ, how do you deal with that? You've made it very clear your profession of faith. I want to talk about that in a few minutes. Uh, Chris, but how do you deal with conflict in the workplace? Because we all deal with this, whether we're selling insurance or driving a forklift, right. you know, there's always stuff because people have stuff. Right. And we each carry different filters. How do you deal with that? You know, particularly when somebody's coming at you in a diametrical position, they, they're not really about your best. Yeah. They're really I'm, not about you winning. I'm generally... I bet my employers and people that have dealt with me, my agent, they would say I'm a low maintenance type guy. <laughs> you know, I'm not always calling or visiting and what's going on here, what's going on there. Uh, I do my job and I prepare for it. And, you know, then I'm kind of out. Um, but uh, so I just try to, in the workplace, I pe treat people with respect. Even if people have, come at me a certain way or don't like me or whatever it may be. I still try to treat them with respect, be civil. Um, and so that's one, that's my approach. I think that's a, a biblical approach, you know, obviously love your enemies, pray for those that spitefully use you. Yeah. But in, in the one thing I've, you know, I've had to learn and sometimes you, you got to really look at their nuances. Like even in my business, being critical, of athletes or getting in debates and stuff, you know, you can look at that like, okay, how does that match up with my faith? And then I look wow. at Jesus yeah. and I say, you know, Jesus didn't mince words. I mean, Jesus, he called Peter Satan. Yeah. <laughs> he, uh, he called the Canaanite woman a dog. Yeah, the brood, um, brood of vipers was a Nazareth swear word. Yes, I mean, he obviously always went off on the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Yeah. So being a Christian doesn't mean that you always mince words to keep the peace. Yeah. Sometimes you, you tell the truth in love, but you speak truth. And that's also understanding that as much as we may try, everybody's not going to like you. And you're not going to get along with everybody. Jesus said, woe to you when everyone speaks well of you. Yeah. And, um, and Jesus never sinned. And yet people didn't like him. So I think that you have to understand that. Because I think a natural inclination is to feel like I got to, you know, just not say anything and not offend and not, you know. So as a, that's a fascinating thing, man, as a Christian man, because I want to talk about this. You, you're very involved in the, uh, what we would call the men's movement uh, in Christianity. And I want to talk about the King movement in a moment. Uh, but as a Christian man, what you're saying is, is that turning the other cheek doesn't mean I lay down. 
Right, right. I mean, again, we just look at Jesus's example. It's as simple as that. That's who we're trying to emulate. Mm-hmm. Um, and he clearly didn't back down. And I think you're right. And, you know, in the men's movement, I think in church overall, we've seen that the numbers in churches across all races in America, at least, um, they're way more women than men. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of talk about how the the presentation of the gospel in America or as it's as it's done in church has been feminized to some degree. Yeah. And I look in the Bible as as you do as well. And I look at it and I say, you know, there was never a dearth of men. <laughs> you know? I mean, there are obviously great women of God who did wonderful things for the Lord, but there's never like where are the men? We're, yeah. You know, Deborah, I guess, if you want to say that one time, but, you know, throughout the history of, you know, the people yeah. of God, there were always strong men available. And so maybe are we pres- presenting things wrong, um, you know, when we're lacking men? Uh, I think we need to look at that. And, and as you said, you know, clearly, I mean, being a man of God, you must stand up. And, and I mean, Jesus. I just think of quickly the book of Joshua, chapter one, in the first nine or 10 verses, he told Joshua, be strong and courageous. Three times, three times he demand, commanded him to be strong and courageous. So that is a part of what the Lord is calling us to be. As men, yeah. And in 1 Corinthians 16, 13, it says, be strong, but in other translations, it just basically in the take courage part, it says, be like, act like a man. Right. <laughs> act like you a know, man. And, Do it. You know, and, and, and I know this is something you deal with because obviously in America, maybe in the Western world in general, there's this attack on what, what's called toxic masculinity. Yeah. And I think some that. of that is very legitimate. And, but I think you can go too far. And what we tend to say, and I got this from one of the guys who's a member of King, Justin Gibney, who started the And campaign. He's in Atlanta. But he's, he's presented, and I thought it was wonderful. We don't want toxic masculinity, and we don't want effeminization. <laughs> we, want, we need to be like Jesus. And Jesus, as you said, was very strong. He was outspoken. He had backbone. When he had to go into the temple and rush, run out the money changers. Yeah, he you know, beat I mean, up he guys stood, in church. That was premeditated. He, he stood there up, and rolled the whip up. You know, this might get ugly. I got to be John, ready, right? Yeah, and John yet, said that, also, yeah. we see Jesus wept. Jesus had compassion on the multitudes. Wow. Jesus loved his brothers. He wasn't afraid to show he loved his disciples. And so that, that's the balance you know, that we, we need as men. And that's what we believe we should strive for as men of God. You know, uh, we, we've had some dear friends over the years that played uh, professional level. And I remember Reggie White talking to Reggie one day and I said, uh, he had knocked over some guys <laughs> and we were talking and I said, uh, Hey, what'd you say to that guy, man? God bless you or something. <laughs> he said, man, I can't tell you what I said to him. He said, but I will tell you that he knows where I stand. I said, okay. <laughs> and then um, a man that you covered, uh, who actually wrote the forward in my book, A.C. Green, I remember talking to him one day about 
about playing NBA because NBA is a rough sport. Yeah. And, and you actually started covering it when, uh, when, when it was a lot tougher than even than it is no today. Question. No question. You know, with Detroit and, and uh, all that stuff. Knicks, I remember yeah. AC one day I was talking, we were talking about this and talking about standing up for your faith in Christ. And I was talking about how men have a tendency to feel like Christianity is passive. And I said, how do you carry that? You know, and he said, you know, here's the deal. When I step on the court, he said, I'm a follower of Christ, but I also have a job. My job is to stop that guy. Right. And right. his role, uh, you know, he played a number of teams. In fact, he, he was the Iron Man of the NBA, and that happened while he was here in Dallas, which was really a cool moment. But, uh, you know, when he was playing with L.A., he was a guy that had to do certain things to help the team win. And it was basically not backing down as part of it. Right. Right? right. So Christianity, right. and this is the King Movement. Tell me about the King Movement, because the King Movement, you're calling up, and here's what I call it, is biblical masculinity. Right. Because you can define manhood. Uh, we've allowed culture to define masculinity as toxic. In other words, it's like linkage. And what we have to bring back is redefine that it's biblical masculinity. Tell me about the King Movement. Hey, this is Chris. Let me take a moment in the middle of this great conversation to remind you how to get in touch with Paul in Christian Men's Network and the Global Fatherhood Initiative. You can find all the resources for mentoring and fatherhood at cmn.men. That's cmn.men. Also, you can write to Paul at paul at cmn.men. That's paul at cmn.men. We have tremendous resources for churches with special discounts for groups on that website. Everything a church needs from A to Z to mentor and disciple men of all ages and backgrounds. Now, let's get back to this awesome interview between Paul and Chris Bussard. Yeah, that, that's a phrase that we definitely use. And um, the King Movement is, is an acronym that stands for Knowledge, Inspiration, and Nurture Through God. And it is a national Christian men's movement. Honestly, in what we say is our, our, our main goal in a nutshell is to strengthen men in their daily walks with Christ from Monday through Saturday. Yeah. And, or maybe I should say Sunday afternoon through Saturday <laughs> night. <laughs> you you know? mean from the time they forgot the sermon? Right. <laughs> so they come back. Okay. I mean, I'm a, I was a pastor, so I understand all this. <laughs> exactly. So we try to do that through accountability, encouragement. Yeah. Um, teaching, training, brotherhood, fellowship, support. And so in a nutshell, you might say it's a discipleship group, you know, and, and you know, not an intense, you know, we're on you, you got to do this, do that. But really, I, men need male bonding and females need female bonding. And what I saw when I first became a Christian, which I was 21 years old, I longed for that male bonding, and I had it, as most men do, outside of Christ. You know, fraternity brothers. Yeah, so you got fraternity, teammates. you've got, you've been on football teams, basketball teams, wow. you've been on teams, you guys are on buses, you're working together, you're sweating together, you're, and you wanted that in Christianity. Right, and, and, and even not just we're all sitting around doing a Bible study, which obviously is at times you do that. But just men I could relate to in other areas, sports, culture, music, whatever, but yet who love the Lord. 
and yeah. you were you gonna encourage me and support me in my attempts to live a biblical lifestyle rather than even if they didn't do it on purpose non-believers you can be put in situations where you're tempted to or encouraged to go against your biblical principles and so yeah. that's that's a big reason why we created the king movement and what we try to to do today what happened when you were 21? How'd that, how'd you move into it? Cause now are you in college at this point? I was a senior in college and um, I had, I grew up Catholic. And so I was taught, you know, biblical stories, taught stories about Jesus, but never encouraged to have uh, really even know what a personal relationship was. Yeah. Never read the Bible. And so in college, I began dating a woman. She's now my wife. And she was a Christian. She was really the first person that kind of introduced me to biblical Christianity. Really? And so it took about, or it was about a year and a half of us dating and struggling back and forth before I, I became uh, a believer. Um, but I, what, the, in a, quickly, what happened was I had gone to a church with her. I'd been convicted of my sin, knowing and knew, like, I need to give my life to the Lord but I didn't want to. Yeah. And so I was running from God and that he still blessed me that summer. I was going into my senior year of college with a summer internship at the Cleveland Plain Dealer. Wow. And I did well. And they told me it was in sports writing. And they told me, look, when you graduate, we're going to next year, we're going to hire you. And so I was on top of the world, you know. Well, you didn't know it was an for answering phones. <laughs> no, no, I didn't know okay. that. <laughs> I didn't tell you all that. <laughs> but I was on top of the world, you know. Yeah, of course. And so, but after a week or so, a few days, it hit me like, okay, I grew up with the idea and being taught that the American dream was kind of the purpose of life. Like, wow. you know, go to school, get good grades so you can – go to a good college, do well in college so you can get a good job. That's what life's about. And here I was now with essentially the American dream in the palm of my hand. I'm going to wow. have it, okay? And once I got to that, I just became overwhelmed with this sense of, is this all there is? Wow. Is this all that life's about? And I knew, because I had been running from the Lord, I knew that I needed Christ, and that was the void I was filling, filling but I didn't want to repent, quite honestly. Mm. I didn't want to, I knew I didn't have to be perfect, but I didn't want well, to turn It's called my dying to self. Away. It's called dying to self. You Right, right. And I didn't want to do that. I wanted no, to keep of course doing not. The, the sinful things I was doing and, and all that. And so I looked, kept looking for loopholes and over a period of maybe <laughs> six months. Yeah. God just looking for loopholes, man. That's, yeah. that's awesome. Looking for all types of ways to try to fill that void without giving my life to Christ. Well, it's okay. Let's, let's, let's be real about it. It's like, okay, I want to be the Christian guy and I want to marry this girl, but I don't want to have to do this salvation thing. Right. Right. Yeah. That was it. That was it. And, um, That's so finally awesome. God broke me down where it was like, you either will keep running and be miserable, or you're going to give your life to me and have some peace and some wow. fulfillment. And wow. so, it was, believe it or not, my 21st birthday, you know, you're at the, you're over the cake and you're supposed to make a wish, of course. Instead of making a wish, that's when I 
repented and gave my life to Christ. Oh, come on, so my, man. My 21st birthday, literally. Come on. Other people are doing all types of stuff on their 21st birthday. Of course. Birthday. <laughs> That's amazing. my life to Christ. <laughs> yeah, and if you don't, uh, if, you, if you're not familiar with that, not from the United States, in the U.S. at 21 is when you can actually walk into a bar legally. Yeah, um, that kind of thing. So a lot of guys do that. And here you are in your 21st birthday when you can go out and do some stuff with guys that had been, you know, when you say you were doing sin, you were doing stuff, you were just being a guy. Of what we're told, yeah, today, like. Just being you know, a guy. I was getting involved in, I was getting drunk a lot. I was getting involved in sexual morality and fraternity, being a guy. hazing, pledges, you know, just. Yeah. Like you said stuff like that. I wasn't a drug dealer, gang bang, or anything like That's that. That's what I'm saying. You know, it's you're just being a guy. It wasn't like you were. You, you know, know what's uh, interesting? If I can, if I can go here, yeah. Uh, you know, there's obviously always the last. Even really, it's become transparent. Maybe in the last 15, 20 years, of the push to you know that men are struggling with pornography. Yeah. You know, and I a few years ago, my wife. One, uh, a well-known public Christian admitted that he had struggled with pornography and all that stuff. And my wife was like, that is disgusting. I can't, she wasn't really judging him. She was just saying that, the, you know, the pornography and everything was disgusting. Yeah. And I said to her, I said, you know what? I said, for many, most men, that's just how you grow up as a boy. I grew up looking at my dad's Playboys Sneaking yeah. in to look at his Hustler magazine penthouse. You know, they didn't have the internet and I wasn't watching movies and all that. But I grew up like why doing that. And, you know, I wasn't really ever big into pornography, but, you know, I obviously saw some. And I said, what mo most men, when we grow up, to your point, that's just a part of being a man. Like, yeah. whether, however, the, the level. Some version of pornography, whether it's strip clubs or magazines or movies, whatever, that's just a part of being a man. And I say, when you get saved, then you, okay, I want to stop doing that. And that's when you recognize I'm addicted. Like there's an wow. addiction here. You know what I mean? Like, so yeah. for women, it thankfully is different. And I know now they say even with women, it's, it's growing but yeah. that has been kind of a rite of passage with a lot, with most men. Yep. And so she might not understand it, but I, I understand fully where it was coming from. So when you're 21, you make this change and then you find out, okay, I accepted Jesus Christ, but now I've got to change my lifestyle. Walk in a new direction, but now you find there's what's called, what you find out is called the power and anointing of the Holy Spirit. Right. To be able right. to live a righteous life. That, that, and I, man, I'm glad you put it that way because, you know, as it may be a challenge, but God does empower us to do that. And, and I tell people this from the moment I gave my life to Christ, obviously you have struggles, you have challenges and things, but I've, I've, I was filled with joy and wow. peace. Like, even as some people that I had been friends with and maybe the basis of our friendship was getting drunk, getting high, chasing women, with, that that walked away from me. That didn't like me anymore, didn't want to deal with me anymore. Even if stuff like that may have happened, 
I still felt joy and peace. Like I, I, even as I might, you know, I wasn't hanging out with the same guys. Like I still was solid. Like I never regretted for one second giving yeah. my life to Christ. And then, and I think you said something that's powerful. And, and fortunately, I understood this from the beginning. I never, when I got saved and the Holy Spirit convicted me, said, you know, stop getting drunk. And it was at different points. Stop watching, you know, dirty movies or whatever. Stop, you know, doing it. Like, I never looked at it like, wow, Lord, how can I? I, I can't. I looked at it like, well, okay, God said do it, and he's given me the power to do it. And so, so I was able to do it. So and you I didn't think have, a lot of times we give our flesh yeah. and the devil too much power yeah. instead of saying, believing that God said, you know what, I can stop this, and, and believing he gave us the power to do it. You know, so basically what, what you're saying is that somebody didn't hand you on your 21st birthday a list of rules and regulations. No, thankfully. You, thankfully. I, I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful you, that I was not surrounded by a group of Christians <laughs> who were going to tell me on, now, man. this is how you got to live. It come on, man. You would have you been, been backing off real quick. I'm going to give you a story. I remember, so I, that summer I got an internship at the Indianapolis Star, and I was living right. in the dorm. And, and, you know, you remember Andrew Dice Clay. And he was a big-time comedian at that time in the early 90s. But yeah, very, very crude. Dirty. Yeah, very dirty and all that. Yeah. So I was, you know, I'm a Christian. I'm a young Christian, and I'm doing this work. And I saw he was going to be on HBO that night, and I was like, oh, I can't wait to watch, you know, Andrew Dice Clay and blah, blah, blah. And so as it, the time's getting near, I'm back from work. I'm in my dorm. I'm going to watch it. As the time's getting near, I just got convicted, like, Wow. Do you really want to watch that? Should you really watch that? You know, you know what he's going to be talking about, this and that. And I was like, you know what? No, and I didn't watch it. Wow. And that's when, when, when you get convicted by the Holy Spirit, it's easier to go give up things versus a group of Christians telling you, don't watch that. Don't, you better not watch that, Andrew. You know? And, and, and I've probably done that myself to others. You know, we all probably have, but we have to be careful and remember that. Like, I thank God that the spirit just kind of was able to lead me in different things that yeah. I need to change. Well, Paul, the, it becoming a law. Paul, the apostle said <clears throat> that the law causes lawbreakers. <laughs> so right. it shows us where we're wrong but it but if all you have is the law you become a lawbreaker yes is yes. that's in our nature so what has to change the process of conversion romans 12 2 says your thinking has to change mm. don't act like the culture and change by changing your mindset so as the mindset changes what tastes good to your mind begins to change right right so now over a period of time, not just overnight, over a period of time, and that show you're talking about, which would have been very crude and actually very demeaning to women. Yes. Uh, all of a sudden, it didn't taste good. That's right. You know, David, no, it was Job. Job said, uh, truth is like honey. You know, truth is like honey. It tastes good in the mouth. 
And uh, so, you know, I thank God, Chris, for you uh, being in a place of you are a, uh, a voice of wisdom and reason for uh, men across North America and who listen to your radio, who listen to your opinions. I got a new word now, an opinionist. <laughs> so I'm, I'm going to work on becoming a uh, Christian men's <laughs> <An> opinionist. opinionist. <laughs> I don't know, man. I don't know if I can do that, but. <laughs> but uh, but the thing is, is that I, I thank God for the fact that that you've got this moral basis, fiber, foundation, so that when you do speak, like like you mentioned earlier, and I was going to come back to it, when you give an opinion, let's say on LeBron coming back for another year or whatever it may be, your opinion isn't you're, you're not uh, you have a sense of the humanity of that comment, right. right. You have a sense of I'm talking about a man and his family, yeah. Right? Yep. Because yep. that's what Jesus does to us. We have a sense of humanity and people and life, and it's not just a player, and he's not just a guy. And so your opinion, you've got you've got opinions, but you have this texture, if you will. Um, uh, that the you said the, it. That's perfect because you're right. I don't. And there are guys in the business that look at the athletes as objects to make a name for themselves. Yeah, and they don't care what they say about. I'm always cognizant of, like you said, I don't get personal. I try to keep it to the sport, try to be objective. And yeah, because I understand that person is a human being. Yeah. And, of course, we all led by do unto others as you would have them do unto you. I wouldn't want somebody criticizing me unfairly, you know. And, and, and so I try to definitely keep that in mind all the time when, when you're doing this. Well, not only that, because you get opinions about you all the time. If You yeah. just have to go on the Internet. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Go on Twitter and see what Chris Broussard is full of this week. I call them Twitter muscles. Because <laughs> I, I, of all the thousands of people I've seen out, out in arenas and out, you know, just out and about that yeah. come up to me, never once has anybody come up to me and ripped me or said something negative. They want pictures and all that. <laughs> but I'm like, on Twitter, I'm getting crushed. <laughs> By the same okay, guy that's got, muscles. got the you know, photo right. with the arm around you. Right, right, right. <laughs> uh, you know, and, 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 and uh, I'll tell you, and this, you know, and you know this as a as a public figure, you whatever, whether it's an athlete, an an analyst, a politician, a preacher, a lawyer, anything and in the public realm, an actor, actress, yeah. musician, you have to have thick skin. Yeah, you have to have thick skin because you get Chris and I always think about it. You know, this is this comforts me. I say, you know, Jesus never sinned. And yet he had critics, <laughs> you know, yet he had people that didn't like him. So come on, there's you're going to have people that just don't like. Him, no, well, Jesus what. never Jesus never sinned, but he did call some guys some brood of vipers. So, <laughs> So maybe that's a term we could come up with a. a, a I can current. use that. Yeah, you grew the vipers. The vipers <laughs> are out. <laughs> yeah, you know, but I do. I do thank God and that you've taken the the uh, you and your wife, family have taken this platform that God's given you to speak into the lives of 
of people across the nation and started a movement like King, King Movement. You've got, this year it was uh, canceled because of all the coronavirus stuff. Yeah, uh, but you've got a, an event coming up again next year, and uh, you're encouraging people, and I, I appreciate it because it it crosses, uh, it crosses basically every every socioeconomic barrier because sports does that, right? Athletics does that, and you're able to speak into the lives of people that you otherwise that that I would never be able to talk to, that are never going to walk into a church. They're never going to go into a men's meeting going, hey, I hope I get my act together today. Right. Because they don't give a rip about getting their act together. But you're, God's put you in a position, Chris. And, and uh, I would say, and I would just ask guys to pray for you. It's Chris Broussard, B-R-O-U-S-S-A-R-D. And you can find you can misspell it and still find you on the internet. Right. <laughs> That's how big time you are. And um and you can find Chris there and you can find the stuff he does and the materials and, and so forth. But, but the thing is, what I want to call guys to is to pray for you. Thank you. And for those who are followers of Christ that are in the media, there's a number of them. And, you know, I was talking with uh, Clint Gresham the other day, and he, Clint was on uh, was a friend who was on two of the Seahawks teams. He was a long snapper. And he talked about winning the Super Bowl. And after winning the Super Bowl, he was sitting around with some guys. They were in the training room a month later. And one guy said, man, I, I don't know when this is going to begin to feel real. And Clint right then knew what he was saying that I thought it was going to make me happier. I thought winning a Super Bowl would make me a man. I thought it would complete my life. And so to every person listening right now, all of our friends, the fact is, is that what Chris found on his 21st birthday is what fulfilled his life was being connected with God through Jesus Christ, finding new life, fresh start. And from that day, brother, I'm just asking guys to pray for you, pray for all guys who are doing stuff like you. And we pray that every place you put your feet is holy ground. Everything your hands touch will prosper. And God will keep you and your wife deep within the grip of his grace and favor. Uh, for the glory of God. So thank you, Chris Broussard, for uh, it's it's great. I, you know, I love conversations with you, and we want to talk some more uh, NBA and maybe throw a little trash in at some point. <laughs> so we want to come back on. But I want you to call into the show one night with an opinion. <laughs> okay. Okay. You know what? I, my, son's, my son's Bryce and Brandon, uh, they all have a pen. So I'll go, okay, what's the opinion? I'll ask them. I'll call you. <laughs> and I'll say, here's the opinion from the Coles. <laughs> All right, champion. God bless you, and, man. Uh, this and, is great. And we'll talk soon. And uh, I look forward to seeing you. Be safe. I'll keep you and your family in prayer for sure. Yeah, you too, man. We're praying for you all the time. The odd couple. The yeah. odd couple. FS1. Love you, man. All right. You too. See you, See Chris. You. Bye. Bye. What a great conversation that was, Paul. You know, I don't think he knew that uh, I knew that he went to Oberlin. You didn't? Yeah, I don't. He probably didn't. It was yeah, probably a shock. shocked him. Yeah. <laughs> hey, and then I said, why aren't you in the Hall of Fame? He goes, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> For Oberlin. Yes. Yeah. What a, an amazing guy. You know, this is a guy who shapes culture. Yes. You know, you and I have talked about it before, Chris, that ideas have consequences. Yes. And here's a man who puts out ideas. He does, he's not always going scripture and chapter and verse and all that. 
he just lives it, right? Yeah, that's what I was going to say. When you don't have to quote the scripture when you are walking in it. Mm. When somebody can see it on your life, they're just going to follow what you do and may not even know the principle lies mm. in the Bible. That's but then really when good. you have the opportunity to open up the Bible and show them, yeah. hey, this is why I do what I do. Wow. You know, and one of the things that you always tell me and remind me of, even when it comes to kids, like, hey, kids are not going to always listen to what you say, but they yeah. are going to follow what you do. And this is a man that leads by that example. Yeah, he does lead by example. He's a dad and uh, uh, he, he, was, he was pretty excited about his, his girls graduating. Yes. You know, didn't have to write checks to the schools anymore. Well, I mean, when you got twins, that's a big deal. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then, you know, because you're still paying college oh, debt. You, know you had to bring like. that up. Yeah, yes, I'm sorry about that. <laughs> anyway, yes. hey, looking forward to being with Chris Broussard. Whenever you're listening to this, uh, he has the movement K-I-N-G, which means knowledge, inspiration, nurture through God. And uh, man, I he, he's one of those guys that I look at and go, okay, this is an ally. Yes, definitely. This is an ally. We're in this together. Yes. His voice, the way he articulates his faith mm -hmm. is what I want men across the nation, around the world to listen to. This yes. is a guy that I want to promote. Yes. In other words. I definitely. To, I mean, he's already famous. It's not like he needs to be promoting him, but uh, to anybody in my sphere of influence, I want to go, hey, this guy. Yeah, that's the real deal there. Yes. Because he's been through some stuff, man. He yes. he got misunderstood. You know, the, the what is it? The, the social media crew came after him on some yes. stuff. Yes. Yep. He got hammered on some things over at ESPN. Yep. You know what? This is a man who, though, he said, okay, I may have said that wrong, but here's my values. Yes. And my values are immovable. Yeah. And you're right? not going to change me no matter yeah, what yeah. you're coming against yeah. me with. Hey, thanks for being with us on uh, Brave Men today. As, as Chris mentioned earlier, you can get a hold of me by writing to me at paul at cmn.men, paul at cmn.men. And on that website are tools and resources for mentoring men and for you personally. If, you've, if you'd like to just take your son through something like Chris, you and your dad are going through yes. materials right now. Yes, we right? are. What book are you on right now? Well, we're done with all the books. You we're finished just, all the materials. Yes. We're just going back and finishing up the workbooks right now. Finishing the workbooks. And I'm books. going through uh, communication, sex, and money right communication, now. Communication, sex, and money. Which is good, man. You need to learn that stuff. Yes, I do. So whoever that is, it's your wife. You know, she's out there somewhere. Yeah. Hopefully not in La La Land. Hopefully not in La La Land <laughs> and hopefully not in first grade. Yes. Please, Lord. <laughs> I'm not grade. waiting 20 years. No. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so, uh, Chris Shields, thanks for being uh, with me today on this uh, podcast with Christian Men's Network and Brave Men. Uh, why we do what we do is so that men will hear the word of a man like Chris Broussard, yes. shift, change, uh, begin to redirect their lives and become followers of Jesus Christ. Be, build uh, great families and strong churches. That's why we do what we do. Yes. Thanks for being on Brave Men today. You just experienced Brave Men with Paul Lewis Cole. Paul is president of the Christian Men's Network. Connect with Paul at cmn.men or write to him at paul at cmn.men.